I met him 38 years ago. Uh, he was in my first board meeting. I was 22. And he's going, oh my gosh, you know, where'd we get this guy? You know, but it was Tom James and Raymond James. So, Oh, no kidding. Um, and I see him twice a year. So he sees me twice a year. We have a great board members that represent him, but Tom really gets it. And he is, he's one of the toughest calls every year because he challenges you to do better things and create, think creatively and solving problems. And that's how you really grow as an individual, as a leader, surrounding yourself with those brilliant people that are so passionate. That's Richard George. Richard is the president of Junior Achievement of Tampa Bay, the 12th largest junior achievement in the nation. Richard directs the implementation of hands-on K-12 programs that empower over 60,000 students annually through financial literacy, work readiness, and entrepreneurship learning experiences. Welcome to the Purpose Driven Leader Podcast, where we feature the purpose driven leaders behind nonprofit organizations and mission driven brands. I'm Jay Taylor, the CEO of Leverage, a purpose driven marketing agency. At Leverage, we help nonprofit organizations and mission driven brands enhance their awareness, communicate their mission, inspire action, and amplify their impact on the communities they serve. Richard, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jay. Appreciate the opportunity. Tell us about Junior Achievement of Tampa Bay its mission, and the impact that it has on the community? So it's economic empowerment through education. So we're, we're providing that for young people. And uh, it's we, we're running a global organization. I'm in charge of just the West Central Florida area and the Tampa Bay area. But it's pretty interesting how they implement those uh, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and work readiness uh, learning experiences throughout the globe. And bit entrepreneurial, I call us, you know, social entrepreneurs, that mm-hmm. we get to pick and choose up from a range of maybe 50 different programs or learning experiences, what to implement for your local community. So I've been wow. told by many that maybe perhaps like runs a, a national foundation. And they said, what we have learned, once you visit one JA area, you visited just one JA area. It's not a cookie cutter throughout the state or throughout the country. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. And can we talk about the, uh, the impact that, uh, that JA Tampa Bay has on the, on the region? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. We, uh, we run an area actually from Gainesville down to Venice up to Lakeland. It's a very unique footprint based on, uh, you know, consolidations and personal relationships. I've been around since 1984. This is my first job out of college. You know, I remember my dad said, get a job. And he goes, it could be McDonald's or junior achievement. And uh, quite frankly, you know, uh, it's been who would have thought 38 years later, I'm still here. Uh, Just a great area all in Tampa Bay area. And it's just been a remarkable run. But we implement, uh, you know, like you said before, K-12 programming. Um, But we've been transforming over the last eight years. So these years have been really flying by. And I'm probably in the most exciting part of my career. You know, and I I waited until I turned 60 for that. But uh, (laughs) what I'm seeing that our volunteers and staff and board are doing with educators, it's just truly remarkable. So just give you a little. So we're really focused in and we are a volunteer driven organization. But I am a full-time employee. You know, we have 25 mm-hmm. full-time employees in the region, but I work for a volunteer board and they give us direction. And you can always, I don't want to lose sight of that, that everything that we've done in our 55-year history in Tampa Bay, you can find, I can name a volunteer that you know drove that 
you know, direction. And that's really important for particularly for nonprofits. But uh, it took us several of uh, these volunteer board members that said, you know, at one point, like, you know, 10 years ago, Jay, we were reaching 100,000 students and we had 27 Incredible. different programs. And and uh, you may know this name, uh, Chuck Sykes. He was on our board. And Chuck, oh, yeah. he's a really great strategic mind. He goes, Richard, I can't, you know, you got to help me understand all this, you know, all these different product lines. And he goes, you know, and what we've learned was you know, do several things. There's a few things really well. And we've, mm-hmm. we've taken that. And then uh, Moaz, who just left our region for UNF, he was ready to become my board chair yesterday. Oh, was, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. uh, but he also really embraced it with the Movement College of Business to say, yeah, let's just do a few things, learning experiences. So back to the entrepreneurial junior achievement prevents this platform that we can pick and choose what we want to be. So junior achievement Tampa Bay looks remarkably different than junior achievement in Naples our junior achievement in Miami, or junior achievement in Jacksonville. We, we all stay have the same mission and we all have the same three pillars, but how we deliver those experiences, you know, you can pick and choose from one, you know, up to 50 different learning experiences. Right. And what our area has been really good into, and it's based on the number of resources you have. I mean, sure. you need financial resources, volunteer resources to do it. So we've been concentrating not on the output, the 100,000 students that we were counting, but the outcomes. And what junior achievement measures them, uh, Jay, is how much, how many hours are we spending with that student, that child? Right. You know, either via volunteer, educator, right. or programs. Mm-hmm. And at one point, we were spending about six hours a year with that student, anywhere from kindergarten you know, to 12th grade. What we built here in this campus is a, a fifth grade experience called Mooma J Biztown. Okay. And it's up to about 22 hours of impact. It has, it's not a field trip for these students. They prep before they come, you know, 12 hours of prep with their teachers. Right. And they load the buses and it's their best day, by the way. They, they are just so, so darn excited to get here. They're all dressed up, ready to go. And they've been given a job. And they're working in teams and they're running a whole economy for a day. Wow. And how, and how old are these, how old are these children that are participating? 10 years old. They're fifth graders. Wow. Fifth graders. Yeah. Incredible. It is. It's their best day. We just opened up yesterday. So, cause it took four weeks for the first school to go on board. We had Tinker Elementary from there near the Air Force Base coming yesterday. And uh, they took over to town. And then uh, today we have a new school coming in. So we'll have a new school every day. So you think about this campus, it's one of the, we couldn't find another building that touches almost every single family in Hillsborough County, not only once, but twice. Yeah, if you think about it, not everybody goes to the airport or goes to the right. stadium or to Amelie. This right. building, every child gets to, and most of their parents come and volunteer. So they're learning about the economy. Uh, yeah, I didn't do too well in economics back at USF, but macro versus micro. and Same here. <laughs> yeah, well, oh my gosh, price theory. <laughs> yeah, uh, in fact, my professor goes, you're going to go run economic education? He goes, oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but what was missing back then is the relevance. And, you know, make it relevant for me. So I was like, a great, great example. Like, you make it interesting for me? I'll, I'll be in and that's what we do for kids. We add the rigor and the relevance. We show them, yeah, how they they can use education to get to where they need to be, and how how's that math 
skills they're learning in fifth grade, you know, parlays up into a job that they're running in J. Biztown, or right. they're yeah, or they're English because they're a reporter at the Times, you know, and they're they're writing their articles and so forth. Sure. So they're using all those skills plus a cool core competencies of communication and team building and and collaboration. All these soft skills are going to play that most workplaces will love to have their employees have. So we're already absolutely in fifth grade. So that that is uh, that is really cool what we're doing, and that's in about forty different areas throughout the country. Uh, it's we actually helped start Kingston, Jamaica up here. Uh, so they have a JE Biz Town, and Mexico wow. has a few in Tokyo. But uh, the next closest to Tampa Bay is in Largo, their original called Enterprise Village, uh, which my kids went to. And that's oh, run by the school board nice. over there. And then uh, Fort Lauderdale. Zone. So back to my thing that a junior team area could look different. You know, uh, Addison, I just saw Addison Davis uh, today and he was at a, a lunch and it took us a while to get him here because he goes, no, I know junior achievement. I've been in Zimbabwe, Jacksonville. I'm like, you don't know this junior achievement. And, you know, he, right. he came over on campus. goes, oh, I didn't know we could do this. You know, I didn't know we could have a campus. So that's the sort of the beauty of junior achievement. So I'm very proud of this community because we're doing things not everyone could do for their kids. Everybody should be doing, and we're trying to help others to do it. So, uh, so that's exciting. And then and, uh, just to be very simple, it's just three different learning experiences. So we did follow, you know, those guidelines. The next mm-hmm. one is eighth grade. So we go from a uh, macro situation to a micro. So we have a lot of co- corporate volunteers already signed up. And the kids get a uh, like an avatar for today, an iPad, and they get a oh, loaded wow. persona for today. So they're not going to run the town. They're going to go visit each of the storefronts and figure out their personal budget. A little oh. bit of buzzkill for them, you know, give you a heads up. Because some are, they all get a diff- different net monthly income based on whatever job was assigned to them. Right. And it can range from making $28,000 to $85,000. Mm. Well, if you're making to twenty eight thousand and you have uh, two kids, right, those choices get really limited, and you know you're applying for loans and you're learning how you have to pay for daycare to go out to Outback, right, you know, or, or the Lightning game. So it it's really real life. So you know they, they, at this time they're all like, ah, I was so so excited. Then here they're like, wow, what a buzzkill that could be, you know. <laughs> Except for the kids making eighty thousand dollars, they're like dueling out money, helping their friends out about that. <laughs> so they they learn yeah. how to give loans yeah, <laughs> to yeah, their friends. But, oh, but but they do learn about the relevance again of the decisions they're making. You know, if Incredible. the education can get you there, but so these choices, if you know you want to drop out of school or you want just a high school education or not having backup plan, this is what kind of money you're going to make and choices you're making. And uh, we also spend some time exploring careers. We give them uh, a, a randomly assigned career, but then we also were the first in the country to have them. And we listened to our teachers who are our partners. They said, we need more career planning in eighth grade. So they go to our career center that same day that the Bennett family helps support. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. They go in and research different careers that they're interested in now that matches their personality. So by the end of the day, they've learned how to budget based on a random job and then they've also gone home with three different likes that they will fit into right about the time when they're starting to pick where they want to go to high school what they want to study wow that that is incredible i mean just as you're as you're explaining this to me and describing these programs i'm reflecting on my own personal experiences and 
you know, there were times and, and, and I feel like every, every child probably goes through this where they're doing math or they're writing an essay or whatever the case may be. And they, they don't understand the, how it applies. And, and the thought had, the thought crossed my mind many times when I was a kid, I'll never use this. I don't need, I don't need this. Why am I, why, why do we have to do this? And it sounds like what junior achievement of Tampa Bay does is it, 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 it helps the children understand how what they're learning in school applies to the real world. Exactly. And why they need it. Exactly. And, and that's called Finance Park, by the way. I think I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so uh, Right. Finance Park. <laughs> Finance Park. And then the, the last one we just launched during a pandemic. We didn't plan it that way. It, it was 18 months. But we've been benchmarking, I guess, and that could you know, further along in, in questions about how I got through 38 years. I benchmark against the best. Yeah. And there's always new innovative leaders out there. So we've been benchmarking against Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, Okay. Yeah, city professional. Tampa Bay is not Atlanta. It's right. a person from business industries, but that doesn't mean we can't inspire to give the same services. So uh, we've been hanging out there, and they they launched what they called was 3DE, and doesn't stand for anything. Uh, but they worked in partnership with superintendent in Fulton County Schools. He goes, you know, I love what you're doing for fifth grade for rigor and relevance. I love what you're doing for eighth grade. He goes, if I gave you a clean slate for high school. What could we do together to make it relevant? And they they took one of the lowest performing schools in Atlanta, Georgia, and the graduation rate improved by 60 points. Wow. And it's through the roof what they're doing. And basically what they came up with, Jay, is case methodology infused throughout their whole curriculum. So back to what you were just saying, can you imagine being in an area that's, you know, you don't have a lot of support from family or the neighborhood's not, it's not a very, you know, reputation for a great high school. And then you're given an algebra class to take. And right. you're wondering, what am I ever going to do with this? Right. Well, what we do, there's no application to get into our 3DE. We take over a third of the school. Any kid could join based on their academic, as long as they, they're from the local area and they meet the demographics. Mm-hmm. And we infuse business cases. Now, most of the kids do not elect to come in because why? They think it's more work, right? You know, you exactly. Know, join something. So we shepherd exactly. the kids in with the school board. And we say, if you don't like after six weeks, you leave. So you give 3%. them an opt out. Exactly. 3% yeah. do that. Less than 3%. They get in and they see, wow, how much fun this is. So back to it. So we have cases every six weeks infused in their math, in their English, in their history. And it's the same case infused throughout for the six weeks. And then it changes every six weeks. And we retrain the teachers. We retrain the administration. And, and and we infuse it with business leaders and these kids get it and they compete to solving the case study. So you bring, make it competitive for the kids. They're paying attention to the geometry teacher because right. he's going, this is the reason why we're doing, this relates to your uh, ReliaQuest case study. You know, and they're all of a sudden taking notes because they want to win the case. They're paying attention. It makes sense. And also is related to a future job that they can take. Exactly. It's brilliant. Uh, they we have eight years worth of data from Atlanta. Graduation rates go up, attendance goes up, end of course year uh, test scores go up. Why would you not? So both superintendents signed on right away. Unfortunately, both superintendents that signed on since are no longer with us. I love a both. You know, oh, yeah. and and, uh, and Dr. Uh, Grego just retired, but both Kevin Hendricks and Addison are really on board with the school boards. So we launched four schools at once. Uh, two in Pinellas and two in Hillsborough. 
at Chamberlain, Hillsborough, Dudden, and St. Petersburg. Okay. And uh, they're now juniors, our 3DE. So we have freshmen, sophomore, and now juniors. Okay. And they like the first-year data because we are tested by the same test. You know, our students are like any other students in the state, so they're getting tested. Those superintendents and school boards like the first-year data so much that they already put their hand up for expansion. But it's a big wow. lift, again, financially, because we are paying for a full-time person to get started at each school to launch this. A really great professional. Plus, we have three support people supporting them. So it's a big private industry investment and family mm-hmm. foundation. So we raised about $5 million to launch all these schools. And wow. it, it's gone so well. We have just signed a deal. So uh, we added two more schools this year. Okay. So we're, we're out at Lakeland. And then we're also at Gibbs in St. Pete. Okay. And then we are already, because it takes 18 months to onboard a school. It's not a plug-in because we get in there, redefine it with the teachers and and uh, with the curriculum and the schedules. So we've already have approved for next year, two new schools in Hillsboro, Blake and Plant City and Lakewood and St. Uh, Petersburg. So we're gonna have nine schools in the Tampa Bay area, the most outside of Atlanta in the whole country. So back to my saying that what we do at J Tampa Bay, you can't find anywhere else in the state. And the next closest spot is Atlanta. So that matters to me because I work for the local community. Uh, not to be competitive, but every year I go to the, the Tampa Bay Partnership USF lunch on a, a economic scorecard of this region. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not. I've I've not heard of that. Well, USF partners with United Way and the Tampa Bay Community Foundation, and they've been okay. uh, monitoring a lot of different economic indicators of our community and how we perform against 20 other areas. And one of the worst ones is always the, the one for disconnected youth. And what uh, the disconnected young person, Jay, is it's the ages between 16 and 24 that are they're not in high school and they're not working. Right. Hillsborough County had 13,000 people like that alone. Can you imagine what they're doing to our system? Right. First of all, it's wasted talent. Yep. Everybody needs more workers and they're just they're not engaged in our community or, or making a living. So we have board members that go to this and they heard about 3DE in Atlanta. They go, wait a minute, if we implement 3DE in those graduation rates are, and we go to the right pockets, we will be able to move that needle. You're addressing that specific audience with 3DE. Exactly. We're going straight to those areas that there's you know they're suggesting Chamberlain is one of the most impoverished areas, most struggling schools, and they are have crushing it right now. They are become really well. I mean, and the kids are really doing well. And uh, and it's taken off to a point we have no problem with demand for this. We're just making sure that we can economically scale this because our goal is to create systemic change, not just one club or one school, high school. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we have been told we have to reach one third of the public schools. And then you have everybody just leaning in like, OK, this right. is the way we do business. That would be about 16 schools. So we're going to be more than halfway there already in our fourth year next year. So uh, we've got a great plan. Uh, I'm jacked up about it, as you can tell, because back to those hours I was telling you about, like this average student, we won't pick on Chicago because I'm from Illinois originally. Okay. But Chicago, <laughs> but Chicago my, my conference area, they're, they're reaching about a half million kids at four hours each. Here in Tampa Bay, we're up to about 30 hours. 3DE is 300 hours of content a year. 
300. It's, it's just amazing. And that's how much wow, that's a game changer. has been putting in. So these kids are going to be ready for work, our military, our job, our post-secondary education by graduating from 3DE. So uh, our first graduates will be next year. And uh, I'm, I'm saying it's just the most exciting thing I've ever seen and seeing these kids engaged. And, and also our principals, we, and we're saying we're changing the culture of their high school. Right. Because the kids get a reason to be there. They feel like a part of something. And our kids aren't being busted from somewhere else because they're the local kids. So they want to come to school because they're a part of this program and it gives them a sense of purpose and direction. Exactly. Back to those core competencies. They learn how to work with one another. They work about critical thinking, strategic thinking, uh, and they're solving business cases. It just it creates such a synergy. They want to be there. So attendance lifts. Our latest attendance stats from the state that our student and remember these are the same neighborhood kids as across the hall that's not in it. Mm. We're not cherry picking. Mm-hmm. These are the same kids, and we they they show up. There's 18 percent less chronic absenteeism if you're across the hall in the 3D classroom, which is wow, that's significant. Like a lot. It's significant. significant. So once you and attendance drives performance. Right. So then the graduation, the uh, the end of year course grades go up and then graduation rates go up. So uh, we have a really true blue fidelity of this program, this model from Atlanta. And uh, it, and they're scaling it across the country now. Uh, so it's in about 12 states right now. Uh, but uh, Tampa Bay is still the second largest outside of Atlanta. It's going to be hard to keep up, but that's our job. You know, Houston's coming on into it, D.C. They're all watching what we're doing. But uh, right. let me tell you, I'm very proud of this community because our school boards are on it. Our superintendents are on it and our business community and, and very uh, generous uh, individuals and families have really all came together to make sure this works. That That is really exciting. And, and do you see that, do you foresee um, not only graduation rates increasing, but also prospects for uh, 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 higher education improving as well for these students? Yeah, they're on track for graduation. It's I think we're at ninety eight percent that that they they are ready to go to you know the post secondary education. They're getting dual enrollment. They're getting all that great stuff. And first generation, uh, you know, college grad, young know, college uh, graduates are awesome. So uh, so many different things, and that's just coming down the pipeline for us because our our kids are juniors now, but. We started with 500 students. We're at 2,000 students now. It's going to 4,000 students. So uh, I was telling you, uh, me and my wife was having dunedin in Dead Eden one night, and and I saw a couple purple shirts running around, and that's the 3DE shirts. The kids were running around. Oh, like, man. That is so cool that they're, they're working, they're wearing their shirts, and this is during the summertime. And and that's really, we're, we're becoming a fabric of that community. And I had one a gentleman that runs uh alumni association at one of the schools and he called me jay he goes you know richard uh we just received a ten thousand dollar check and I, I thought it was for 3de and ja i'm like oh that's awesome he goes no 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 it's for the baseball team i'm like well that's great i'm like why are you sharing that with me because it wouldn't have happened without 3de because the community is seeing you invest in this school in this in our our neighborhood and people are coming back 
because the school, a lot of really? schools have affluent alumni that just moved out and to the suburbs. So they're seeing right. investment and it's bringing more money in. And now they have a new football field. And I'm like, this is so awesome. And, and that's this, incredible. And, and this alumni uh, leader goes, I'm attributing it to you guys. You saw the potential. And, and by the way, this is a partnership. It's not, it, it is that that we have principals that are leaning in. Our teachers, the, our principals say our teachers are teaching beyond their contract. They've never seen that beyond. So where you talk about teacher satisfaction, you open up the headlines now. Right, right. That's a big deal. Yeah, we have a 98% approval rating from our teachers that they feel supported. You won't find that anywhere else. And that's wow. today. So they just want to, they want to lean in when they see the kids getting better. Well, there has to be such a sense of fulfillment that you get from from the work that you do. I mean, it, it really is incredible. Um, you know, and 250,000 kids, I mean, a quarter million children. I mean, that is just such an incredible impact that you're having on, I would imagine, not only the region, but but beyond, right? I mean, because the these these kids grow up eventually to become adults and they relocate. And so the experiences that they're that they're gaining at junior achievement at Tampa Bay, I mean, are are having impacts, uh, you know, throughout. I I would venture to guess throughout the country. Yeah, at this point. It, they really are, and globally, and uh, yeah, which is really exciting. We were uh, we had some movers here yesterday, Jay, uh, getting ready for our kickoff, and one of the movers he looked around. He goes, "I remember being here, man." He goes, "You're kidding." I should oh. pay more attention. But he re- remembered his job. He goes, "I'm coming back." <laughs> He had he's good hardworking guy. He has three jobs. He goes, I'm coming back to volunteering. This is awesome, you know. And so it is for every kid. It's for every family. Um, so we're, we're, I, I really want to play up that it's because this community is responding so well. Not just here at Junior Achievement, with a lot of different nonprofits, and see how much we're all lifting it up. I noticed that that you have a lot of community partners uh, on the website, um, and it and to your point, it seems like the community has really rallied around Junior Achievement of Tampa Bay's purpose and mission, and um, you know, and it's just and these are really you know a lot of big name organizations here in town and and people whose names I recognize who are involved. And um, can you talk a little bit about those partnerships and and just the impact that? those organizations and those individuals are are having um, on Junior Achievement of Tampa Bay? Well, I don't want to leave anybody out. I was at a, a function last night celebrating uh, a gentleman named John Tomlin. I met at AAA, and now he runs his own uh, real estate company. I've known him for 20-something years. He's been my boss twice and that. He's up for major <laughs> awards, and he's still uh, – we had a new board member take over uh, chairmanship last night, and he goes – there are six past board chairs still engaged with us. You know, it used to be with junior achievement was that you did on behalf of your company. You know, I'm going to represent Jable. And right. once I retired, I'm done. And then you get right. a new representative from Jable. Now it's personal. You know, this is all personal. And so we have people that stay beyond in retirement. You know, they don't retire from us anymore. But some of those big, bigger, I, I'll tell you just the two most relevant ones. One from that I met him 38 years ago. Uh, he was in my first board meeting. I was 22. And he's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, where did we get this guy? Yeah. But it was Tom James and Raymond James. So, oh, no kidding. Um, and I see him twice a year. So he sees me twice a year. We have a great board members that represent him. But Tom really gets it. And he is uh, he's one of the toughest 
cause every year because he challenges you to do better things and create think creatively and solving problems. And that's how you really grow as an individual, as a leader, surrounding yourself with those brilliant people that are so passionate. And he's one of our most recognized volunteers. We have seven of them. And Tom, he's the one I've known the longest, uh, 38 years. And he was never, he was only on our board for like a month. I think he passed it off to someone else. He goes, let someone else handle that kid. You know, but he always <laughs> has been well engaged. And he's one of our major sponsors of all three of our learning experiences and models. And then newly is uh, Brian Murphy joined our board a couple of years ago. He's now handed that off. Uh, he's done well, but he's the reason why we brought 3DE here. Uh, we were short on investment. He goes, I can't find enough candidates for my cybersecurity firm. He goes, yeah, are the right mm -hmm. ones. Right. Goes, this is a great opportunity for my talent people to plug in. And so he signed up as a national, the first national sponsor of 3D outside of Atlanta, came from Tampa and was ReliQuest. So those are the two biggest ones. But the individual families are just amazing. We do really well with them. You know, Pam and Les Muma. Wow. Yeah, they have a building named after them here for good reason. Truist they're they're, they're incredible people. Yeah, Truist and uh yeah, you know, has a building part of here too. But uh, yeah, that list just goes on and on. I, I'll leave too many people out, but I'm telling you, I'm blessed. And I've been told by some of my counterparts in the nonprofit in Tampa Bay that we had probably one of the best nonprofit boards now. And, and it didn't happen overnight. Yeah, it, it took right. years of that. Yeah, years so, of staying at it. Over 30 years. Yes, sir. To be exact. Yeah. And and how, how, um, how important is it? You know, I'm almost thinking about this from the perspective of uh, somebody who is maybe building their board or maybe their board is going over some turnover and they're trying to rebuild. You know, how important is it to to have those uh, to have the right board members and 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 to and to have them engaged? Well, I was reminded, Jay, recently that I don't own this company <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so many years there, you know, I'm like. And a great, great former board member, Jack Rabicki from Clifton Larson. And he goes, you know, you don't actually own it. I go, I know that, Jack. But, you know, and they're always that. Uh, but that's what you have to relate to. That. Remember, they own it. The volunteers own this in your board. Uh, gosh, secret sauce there. I mean, I keep on surrounding myself with other individuals, seeing how it goes. Uh, you know, you, you see the let the volunteers run it, but then you have to be that leader when to step in. But uh one of the secret things I've learned from a, my mentor of 42 years, who's my current CFO, you know, is always between put a volunteer between you and a problem. <laughs> you know, really key advice to any nonprofit. So if there's a problem, put a volunteer between. I've been it's worked like gold. So uh, you engage your volunteers. You hope not to create too many problems for them. But the key thing in attracting the leaders to it is first the passion. You got to love what you're doing. I, I my dad had a plumbing company. Uh, I had a lot of teachers in my family. So I had that entrepreneur, I had the education. I was a marketing guy from USF. This is the perfect place for me. I can't sell copiers. I would not I would not be able to make a living out of that. I can do this all day long. And so find your passion. Uh, I, you know, a couple of times I've been considered for other positions. I'm like, that just doesn't fit my DNA. Yeah, this is fits my DNA. I believe it. I love about the hope of the future that Junior Achievement provides and the kids. So it's a really good spot for me. But, uh, yeah, but to attract the right people, you have to be really financially sound. So the mission's one thing, 
but you got to make sure that you understand. I've had a lot of great coaches, uh, you know, that come to mind that taught me, hey, yeah, because I only took accounting 101 and 102. Yeah, a little bit of finance. Right. I'm a marketing guy. They go, you got to know this too. You can't just pass this off to your CFO. This is, you know, not your company, but you're the president. So right. I've learned of that. And we haven't had a deficit since two, 1986. Yeah. And I, I, by the way, I remember that one. And so you have to, you, you, it's a horrible saying, but no money, no mission. You, you can have a great mission, but you don't have financial resources. You're going to be all volunteer support. And that doesn't happen as effectively and strategically as, you know, and you can't scale it like we've done here. So right. you know, make sure you understand the financials. And then then the passionate people are going to rise up, man. You know, and then we're blessed. We have enough money in the bank that we're not worried about tomorrow. We're raising money now for six, seven months from now. So you're, get, you're able to strategically think, what's the next move? What's the next move? Right. So that that's important in attracting these great people, and I'm telling you, uh, we got a great board. I I pinch myself sometimes, man. And I almost wish I had more time to just spend more with individuals, with them individually, because they all want to help, you know. And busy people, but they all want to help. But you make a great point about the um, about the financial aspect that if if your if your organization is so worried about you know raising funds. It's hard to be strategic because you're you're just reacting in a sense. You're having to react and and you're sort of in a position of weakness at that point. Whereas if you have cash in the bank, you can think long term and you can plan strategically for the next six months or twelve months or whatever the case may be. So that that is very sound advice. Well, I appreciate it. It's, you learned the hard way. My first time on the job as president, I had to get a loan in my chairman at the time had to guarantee it with his daughter's college fund. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I lost so much sleep over that because I didn't know what I was doing by the, you know, and, uh, and that would teach you a lesson to be fiscally responsible. Yeah. You know, of course we're, we're teaching financial literacy, so we're going right. to be conservative there too. But uh, yeah, I've learned some hard lessons that way. Never want to go back that way. Right. Uh, that's yeah. to keep you from advancing mission. It, it, it actually helps you advance the mission in a more strategic, we're all about, you know, being reliable, uh, you know, year after year. And, uh, we got a special gift from the Mumas, you know, a while ago and they go, she goes, do what you like with it. You know, what, what a nice, you know, just generous, you know, do what right. you need most. And what we did, we put in a board directed fund. So that means it's, it's really just for the campus to keep this beautiful because, you know, you go to that church or you go to that thing and say, hey, we got to raise money for the AC unit just went out, right? Mm-hmm. Or the roof needs repairing. Right. That's not very cool. And when I learned the fundraising, people, you know, some will respond, but it sort of looks like you don't have your act together. Right. right? Here right. we go. You know, hand to mouth. So we put that money aside, very disciplined. And guess what? We used their interest to pay for the new roof last year. And the new AC, the AC units. Are That's the way to do it. That is the way to do it. It is the best money we ever put aside for that. And I know there's a lot of great nonprofits with endowments. And 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 it's not, it's a really good sound business because that doesn't attract the right people <laughs> usually. It, it attracts some, they go, but they're going to get tired of giving you money for that. They want you to do what you meant to do with your purpose, not for right. putting, fixing things up and buying a new copy or something like that. And it, And it's not inspirational, right? I mean, it, it's just, it's not. Repairing a roof, uh, you know, fixing an AC unit. Those are 
those are things that need to happen. Uh, but but they're not. You're going to have a hard time galvanizing uh, uh, your supporters to get behind that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'd love to to talk a little bit about your own personal journey, um, how you you know how you got to where you are as the president of Junior Achievement of Tampa Bay, and uh, and anything that you feel um, would be good for your peers and and other uh, 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 people who aspire to become purpose driven leaders. Um, they may not be there yet, but it's something that they aspire to 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 be at at some point in their in their careers. Um, you know, what, what, what does that journey look like and what advice and insights would you have for them? Well, that's great. And actually I'm going through it now because, you know, once you turn a certain age, your, your board start looking at it, like I said, what's the plan? You know, I, like, <laughs> the plan is I have a college student, so I'm going to be working, you know, for a while. Maybe, you know, I work at their <laughs> So, uh, but we're looking at the talent. I, my board chair goes, once we get promoted at this firm, you're supposed to be already looking for your replacement of that new position. And I'm like, well, most nonprofits aren't that big, but it's a great opportunity to really take uh, a look at who's going to take over. Our leadership team, we have the most experienced leadership team in the country. That's why we're doing so well. Uh, We're talking 100 years worth of experience at least. And wow. uh, so, but that also says, guess what's going to happen in the next few years? Right. <laughs> so right. we're we're now faced with putting building our talent pool. And we have a lot of great new people coming on board. So that's important. You know, uh, in my journey, I always, my my predecessor, my mentors always told me to go to the national conference. Always go to this meeting to get more engaged with your peers. Because, and I would suggest to other nonprofits, we have a very unique job. And our family, spouses, friends, they don't get what it's like to be a serial. They try to, as, you know, a social entrepreneur. But it, it's it, it's taxing. You know, you're running. You have a lot of pressure on yourself, and they're supportive, but they just don't understand the same problems at the level. Right. So you have to find your peer group, and that's why I would suggest find a peer group and make sure it's a peer group you inspire to be like. And, and by the way, my right. coaches have told me that through the years. Yeah. So Pam Muma was one. She goes, "Come back with three ideas." Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me hear the three ideas. And my board always challenges me. And uh, I hang out with some of the brightest junior achievement people. I have a group of them. There's about eight of them. We get together twice a year. And they're my support group. So they know how to operate junior achievement because it's a little different than any other nonprofit. We're mm. more entrepreneurial and all that. So I have, you know, we have a big week this week. And the new guys up in Minnesota getting trained at, at the new junior achievement training you know, in leadership. I'm like, I'm missing him, but he's getting so I'm investing in those new talent and making sure our uh, new folks get the same training that I had an opportunity. So that's really important in your development, but also finding that peer group. I said, when you go to a conference, find people you aspire to be. So uh, we've been hanging out with Georgia again. I took seven people up to J.A. Georgia and and we just it was like, wow, we all get each other. You know, we all were doing similar jobs and all that. And what we learned in just that 24 hours was really cool that we're going to continue to doing stuff like that. You know, you you help each other. Again, it's that rising tide lifts all boats uh, mentality, I think. Exactly. Yeah. It really, I call them at least once a week, one of them, you know. And, and, and by the way, my mentor now works for me, contract CFO. I talk to him about at least twice a day. He's, uh, he's, he's out of Cincinnati. He's retired, J.A., but he's still running our financials. And uh 
Yeah, because he's been through it all. Yeah, he's, you're never going to stop learning. So you go with the most experienced, you know? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And having that, you know, having people in the room who uh, compliment I wouldn't say, you know, there's a there's a saying that, you know, you want to have people in the room that know more than you do, but maybe knowing things you don't know, right? Like your CFO specializes in finance, right? So that's that's who you can you can lean on when you have questions about finance. I mean, I think that's, you know, I think that's really important. So what what does being a purpose-driven leader mean to you? It's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah. Or is that a service? They just go, what's your, well, don't make it a default. You get it up. You shouldn't default just to getting up. You have to have a reason. Yeah. And you better be passionate about that reason. I have never had a problem getting up and going to work. Uh, my biggest <laughs> challenge is the commute, like everyone else in Tampa Bay. You know, right. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Once I get here, it's like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> That that gets old, but it, yeah, we've learned a lot from hybrid. But by the way, we're live here, man. Campus is open, kids are here, so uh, and it's awesome. But uh, no, it just you, you, it's just finding that right thing, and, and you know it. You you just fall upon it. In fact, I ran an old neighbor, and she goes, "God, that makes perfect sense. You used to do that stuff when you were a kid." I'm like, "Really?" Yeah, I start thinking back. It's like. So it all connects back to what I do for a living. Yeah, we have the eighth grader going and do career assessments and they're getting to run the McDonald's in BizTown, you know, and they, they're doing their budget in public. So they, it, it starts these experiences to start building upon each other. So right. it's a natural. I couldn't fake trying to do something else, you know, uh, but no, I have it, it's what gets me up in the morning, man. Yeah, it keeps me motivated. That's besides great. Family, yeah. Besides, besides family, besides the family, yeah. I, my daughter say, "Don't get cheap or old on me." I go, "I can't prevent any of those two things happening." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 I can certainly, I can certainly empathize. When, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think about is my son. I cannot wait to see him, and then the second thing I think about is I can't wait to look at my inbox. And, and I don't know if that's just you know. I don't know if that's normal or if that's weird or what, but I I, I cannot empathize with you more. I I think that um, when you're passionate about what you do, you're you know you're you're excited and it's easy to get out of bed every day. And, and Jay, let me tell you, our whole company culture embraced it years ago that we do not accept mediocrity. So it, it, those folks get they 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 don't stay with us very long they they just know it. it's just this is not just a job all these people care so much in fact we don't have turnover you know they just they stay for a long time and they they have to reinvent themselves because our learning experience is learning but yeah they i i have a culture of that i have people that don't need to work they're still working because they love what they're doing speaks volumes it does it really does so you just find your niche and, and and God bless everyone. I mean, they all have different niches. We need more hospice people, you know, from that side. And you need right. more elementary, uh, you know, education and and uh, the youth development and the health sciences. My gosh, just find some place that you're passionate about. Right, right. And what would be what would be one piece of advice that you would have for someone that um, is currently a purpose driven leader or aspires to be one? Well, I've learned uh, that the number one reason that people support nonprofits is not the mission. 
It's the trust in the leadership. Interesting. So, and I don't, Jake, don't quote me because I'm not sure where I read it, but it makes okay. sense. It's always in the top three. And you think about it, there's 3,500, I think, nonprofits in Tampa Bay. We're just one. Right. And we're doing great things, but there's other great nonprofits. I know many of them. So they have to trust the leadership. And I'm being told this now. So we're grooming the future leadership that we have enough time that they could trust them too. You know, because that company. Right. So, uh, and I always tell my people, you know, when you're about to make a decision, what would your stakeholder think of it? Simple. What would your stakeholder think of it? You know, is that mm-hmm. what you're, the people are giving you the donation? Is that what your teacher is? Right? You always put yourself in their shoes. And that really helps those decisions, you know, you know, come to the right, you know, for you to come to the right decision, what's the right thing to do in your daily work life. Right. Right. I think that's great advice. So where can someone go to learn more about uh, Junior Achievement of Tampa Bay and and how can they get involved? Awesome. Well, they can get involved by volunteering here on campus. Okay. We we have uh, uh, financial literacy programs in high schools throughout the Bay Area that we still monitor. We uh, so they just have to get, contact us at jatampabay.org on our website. It's the easiest, jatampabay.org. Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll hook them up. Yeah, they could be a coach <laughs> at 3DE. We don't turn down folks. So uh, we're, we're, yeah, we always have a need for volunteers. And we have about yeah 3,500 volunteers last year. So. Uh, wow, 3,500? 3,500 volunteers, yeah. That is incredible. Well, is there anything else that you would like to uh, to share with us uh, before we sign off? No, I just you know wish you the best of luck. I, I love this format. I can't wait to listen to some of my peers out there, see what kind of advice they have. If you need any suggestions, I've got a few. You know, in the market, they're really doing a great job, and uh, love to hear from. But I like what you're doing here. Absolutely, and go Bulls. Well, anyway, go Bulls, man. Yeah, absolutely, go Bulls. Hope you know, hope for. Hoping for a better season. Fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, gosh. And uh, yeah, feel free. Love to have you come by our campus and get engaged. And, uh, you know, it's a, you know, before you love that before you're volunteering here in a few years you're with your, with your you, son. You never know. You never know. And I think when he's when he's old enough, I, I think that that is a program that would make a lot of sense for him. Oh, he'll remember it, man. I'm telling you. So those Thank you very much. Those are skills that I think personally are are critical. And um, yeah, I, 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 you know, and I'm so glad that you guys are right here in our own backyard and are having the impact that you're having on the local community. It, it really, I mean, it, 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 it makes a huge difference as we've learned today. I mean, it really impacts thousands and thousands of kids and, and families It impacts their families as well uh, for the better. So thank you for everything that you do. And um Richard, it's really been a pleasure having you on the show, and and I hope that uh, I hope we can do it again soon. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and please leave a five star review so that we can continue bringing you the lessons learned from purpose driven leaders. If you'd like to learn about leverage and how we can help your mission driven brand increase awareness, inspire action, and amplify impact, be sure to visit our website at lvrg.io. That's lvrg.io. We'll see you next time.